I'm speaking with uh, Emmy-nominated composer Tony Morales, who was just nominated for his score to Hatfields and McCoys, which he co-composed with John Debney. Uh, thanks so much for talking with me today. Hey, Kai. Thanks for having me. So I guess to start off, since you know we've never met, never spoken before, how did you get into music, and why did you decide to become you know, a film and TV composer? Well, my original instrument was the guitar, and... Uh, you know, when I was younger, I, all I wanted to do was be in a rock band. <laughs> and uh, eventually that led me to um, to Berklee College of Music in mm-hmm. Boston. And uh, it was there that I actually discovered film music. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, and from there it was all over. The, the guitar band drive had gone away, and I discovered a new fascination and, and love for uh, composing. And um, wanted to pursue film music. And uh, so when did you make the migration out to L.A.? Well, so after Berkeley, um, we had, you know, and again, we had discovered and I had discovered, you know, film music of Jerry Goldsmith and Elmer Bernstein and Bernard Herrmann, which are you know, all these great influences. Mm-hmm. And at the end of Berkeley, <clears throat> a, mutual, a friend of mine had mentioned the uh, USC scoring for uh, motion picture and television program. Right. And to boot that coming year, Elmer Bernstein was going to be a teacher. <laughs> and I was, that was almost too, it was almost too much to pass. And I was like, oh, my God, I, gotta, I have to apply. I have to try to get into this. So I pursued it, and that was, the, um, that was an easy migration to make right. <laughs> to Los Angeles. So I came out here and, and uh, went to that program that year. So now, I mean, you've worked with a lot of great composers, you know, John Demney being one of them, and uh, Brian Tyler and Harry Gregson Williams. And now you have uh, Hatfields and McCoys, which has gained so much uh, attention and praise. I can't, I can imagine doing any miniseries, any miniseries can be a daunting task. How did, how did you and John decide to approach Hatfield and McCoy's? Did you decide to take it on as one big film or tackle it as the individual parts as self-contained episodes? Well, um, well, working with John was great and I was excited that he actually, you know, asked me to um, come on board with him. And it was it was kind of it wasn't a necessarily a div- divide by episode and conquer. It was a real kind of an organic and natural process how we figured out how to move forward. Mm-hmm. We had a pretty tight schedule, so regardless of how we figured it out, we had to we had to you know stick to the schedule and make sure we we didn't get behind because we we really only had about two and a half months, three months to complete the entire project. Wow. And then, the, and then the air date was going to happen a month later after that. So there really wasn't a lot of wiggle room. Um, we, early on, the, the producers really wanted to have a thematic score. And um, they also wanted to keep it authentic to the, you know, the time in the region. So right. once, we, once we all got on the same page creatively, it was a matter of uh, just kind of chipping away. Um, not to water it down so much, but it was a matter of you know writing and staying on course. We would have production sessions probably every two or three weeks because the score is, is heavily heavily involves instrumentalists and soloists. Uh, we use Elizabeth Scott for the vocals and um, uh, a fiddle and several guitars and, and these kinds of things. So we were writing in between recording them, continued writing, recorded some more, and uh, eventually. Um, we delivered on time. Everything worked out. <laughs> so, how did you guys settle on the on the whole soundscape of the score? I mean, I loved it, by the way. I, like it really is one of my favorite uh, scores of the year. 
and it definitely has a, a kind of a very you know heavy western feel but it doesn't really call attention to itself as a western and that's what mm-hmm. i really loved about it it's not you know like oh this is ennio morricone this is blah blah, blah. It just felt so organic in the moment so what was how did you settle on that sound of you know with the instrumentation and all that and what was your overall i guess musical goal for the score well thank you i'm glad you i'm glad you liked it um well once as i mentioned with the themes we we used theme development sort of happened and, and the inspiration came from more of the region, Appalachia, mm-hmm. roots music. Um, it's, it's, they really wanted to make sure we were authentic to that and we didn't lend the sound to maybe think you're out west and it's right. a cowboys kind of thing because this is a really a different story, being in Virginia, mm-hmm. um, Kentucky. So that was the inspiration as far as melodic melodic things would go and then you know john and i really wanted to make sure we we kept this thing contemporary and um and as far as doing almost like a hybrid of some contemporary sounds with these traditional appalachian roots instruments and so that was that was pretty much the approach and um kept us on track throughout Mm -hmm. and uh so working with and you've you've uh worked with john on some of his other scores before and uh, so what was what was the collaborative process like with him on this? And did you guys, and how did you guys handle the workload? Did you guys split it up? Did you work together on certain parts? Or was it like, you know, you take this, I take that? Um, it was a great collaboration. It was more, it was it was a little bit like you, the last thing you mentioned, I'll take this, you take that kind of approach. Mm-hmm. It was uh, with the themes, when the themes were approved early on, that was kind of how we got the ball rolling and uh, I had jumped to a few cues that I knew was going to use this theme um, that I had just done. John went to several cues where his themes were being used, and once we kind of got our feet wet and started getting comfortable with the with the sound we were creating, then it was a matter of, okay, um, I've just finished this cue, and the next one kind of comes close to it. I'm just going to continue on with the next couple of cues, and, and John would be great. Okay, well, I'm over this part in the front of, of the show, I'm just going to finish up this next, you know, act, and, and it was kind of like that, a little back and forth the whole time. It was, it was a lot of fun. Was it hard to keep a, a consistent, I guess, voice? Or well, you... actually, it's funny you mentioned that. The one thing I forgot to mention was everything we wrote was we we kept on a general server that both of us could access. Uh-huh. And it was a matter. Of, and at the end of the day, I sent him an email, John. Here, I just posted my track. Take a listen, see what you think. And uh, I would check out everything he wrote. So. We were we were totally on the same page the whole time and, and heard what each other was doing, so mm-hmm. it wasn't a matter of, of um, you know guessing or anything like that. It was it was full on collaborative. Right. It was fu- it's funny because I've talked to uh, other composers who've done like video games like uh, co-composed, and I was like, oh, how is it like working with so and so? And they're like, oh, I've never met that person. <laughs> like it was just oh really? Yeah, they're just so separate, and it still managed to become some some of a. They said they would just kind of imagine you know thinking oh, I'm going to try to you know, be like this other person and try to make a cohesive voice, but it, it ended up working out. But I thought that was so crazy that, you know, they've never met and they were able to yeah. co-compose. That sounds like a tough way to, to work. You know, John and I uh, fortunately had had a really good relationship before Hatfields and McCoys. We had done a, a few projects. He'd, he'd called me on to do some arranging for him. Right. And, um, and, you know, we just had a great relationship. So going in, it really was easy. And, and again, you know, both of us are really upfront guys. It was a matter of let's, let's, Let's hear the sound that we're, and you know, let's have fun with it, and mm-hmm. see what we can make this. And yeah, it definitely comes through in the final product. Um, 
So as a composer, just you know, as yourself, when you're starting on a project, uh, where do you draw most of your inspiration from the most? Uh, would you say it would be the characters, the story, uh, or the setting? Like, wh what really speaks to you and really influences your first, you know, take on the score? Well, it's it's a bit of a process, and and, and it kind of can change from job to job. Mm -hmm. But you know, first things first, you you are here to support the film. Right. So, based on the story, or if there's a character is particularly interesting, and, and kind of you can run with something as an inspiration, you know, I kind of look for those things uh, right off the bat when I'm watching something. And, and then based on you know the conversations, and because you know, it's always a process, you can have a lot of talking at first, but until you sit and start to write notes, it's not until then that things get tested, mm -hmm. and you know what could. What could actually lend, you know, what can support this film in a, in a great way, and what could maybe be a distraction? So that's probably my first step, and then, um, and then I then I'll start working with uh, theme development. And themes can be, they can be, you know, what you would think of as a traditional theme, melodic theme, or it can even be as simple as just a, a tonality, a sound, a particular sound that would relate to a and or character. Right. And um, and then. Uh, keep the process going. Now, when you say distraction, do you mean like music that's just too, you know, too front and center? Like, when, when does music become a distraction? Exactly. If it's just a matter of, if it's, if it's, because there's been, there's been projects where I've tried some music and it really was almost too much. If it's a, if it's a moving scene and you have some really important dialogue going back and forth, but yet, just because something may have been temp there doesn't really mean that it needs to be mm -hmm. there. There might be a piece of music like, wow, this is really a little, maybe it's mm -hmm. a little too much, maybe this is a little too emotional for the dialogue. We want to still, still not really be told how we're supposed to feel yet. Right. That's kind of what I mean by distraction. And so, now going back to Hatfields and McCoys, uh, the soundtrack is uh, pretty packed with around you know, 80 minutes of music. Uh, how much music was there in total when you guys were all said and done? The soundtrack is, I got to tell you, I think it's roughly around 95 and 96 percent of what we wrote. Oh, wow. That, that was in the show. Yeah, we really jam-packed, and it was funny, because at the end, I'm like, wow, John, are we going to fit all this? And he's like, we're going to get right to the very limit, <laughs> and that's going to be that. And, you know, we, you know, some cues that are not on there are, are a few things that are shorter and probably not the most interesting to listen to. Mm-hmm. On, in, a, in a setting of just sitting and listening to a CD. Um, but, yeah, you really got the bulk of everything that was written and produced. And, how, I mean, you hear stuff like when you have to omit something, how hard is it to condense, you know, an entire score onto a, a single listening experience? I mean, does it, do you feel like, uh, like how do you determine what's not worthy of the CD? Well, I think it kind of, you have to kind of put your, yourself in the listener's chair mm -hmm. and say, okay, I know I sat with this cue, and even if it's it's 10 seconds long and I really love it, I don't think as a listener <laughs> they're going to appreciate a 10-second track. Okay. Um, and sometimes in those situations, you can take a few things and make a compilation. Mm -hmm. So one cue may actually exist and have, but, but what the listener doesn't know is that one cue is a compilation of four or five cues, right. just for listening um, balance. But again, you know, there's limitations to to an actual CD release, so you can't have, there's only so much space it can fit, and, you know, there was just so much music from this project. Yeah. <laughs> or just, it was just impossible to get it on there without some sort of double, you know, 
double platinum live released or something. Well, maybe, maybe in the future, you know. <laughs> hey, I'm always open. <laughs> um, well, to I guess to wrap things up, I always like to to ask composers um, this question: If you had the chance to score any film ever made, with no disrespect to the original composer, what film would you choose? Wow, that's a tough question. <laughs> And what I was not prepared for. Um, gosh, it's, you know, it's funny. I could probably give you a different answer on a different day of any any month. You know, it's, it would change. I think by my mood, but my, I think my latest interest in just in a in a, in a type of score I'd love to be involved in mm-hmm. is more of a subtle type of score, something that's a little more mood-like and not necessarily needing to be really hit-oriented. Hit right. For example, I'm a real big fan of Cliff Martinez. I love what he does. I love him, yeah. He's he great. To work on, and he always gets these great projects that are, you know, the music is really important in setting the tone, but then he, he just he just takes you on a ride the rest of the movie and doesn't necessarily have to play the action or the or anything like that. It's just more of a, a mood setting. Like, Solaris is really a fantastic score. Mm-hmm. I really and loved uh, Drive. Drive was the colors and atmospheres and just, you know, very well done. Exactly, exactly. So if, if, as opposed to an actual movie, I think if I got a chance to get creative and have fun with something, I'd like to take that sort of approach with something. That, you know, and that's today. Maybe we'll talk tomorrow and I'll give you a different <laughs> answer. <laughs> well, it's, it's a really good answer. I like it. And uh, um, we'll, we'll, once again, congratulations uh, for the nomination. Um, it's well-deserved, and I'll be rooting for you guys uh, next month. And uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. It was a great, great honor, Tony. Okay, well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here, and um, look forward to talking to you again. All righty.